Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. My name is Peter. And my name is Ashton. Hey guys. Hello everyone. Hey. How are we all doing? Fine. So good. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Fine. I go on holiday tomorrow, so I'm alright. Right, I'm pretty yeah. happy. So that's a plus, but do you want to share with the nation, with the world, <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah, I kind of had a bit of an uh, annoying, well not annoying, yeah it was annoying, wake up call this morning, when I woke up in a puddle of my kitten's piss. Oh, hey. we- kit piss. Yeah. Little kit piss. Uh, she weed on the bed while we were still asleep in it, and then I woke up and I was like, why are my shorts moist? Oh, maybe it really- was you. Well, the last so this is the second time this has happened, and the last time it happened, I was wearing like not a nighty, but just like one a t shirt that was a bit big, mm. and I was like, oh my god, my back is like so. I was like, God, I'm so sweaty. What the hell? Why am I so sweaty? <laughs> and then I touched the bed. I was like, oh my god, there's so much liquid on here. And then I went, ah, oh, that's not sweat. That's wee wee. Mm, that's um, cat wee. Right that's now. cat wee. So yeah. So that was kind of a big, nice wake-up call about 7 o'clock this morning. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, but we're just trying to be positive. We're just trying to be happy and positive. Yeah. I so. mean, you know, on the bright side, you're probably not the only person who's just woken up in a pool of liquid this morning in Britain. Um, True. But most people, it probably was sweat rather than cat piss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're not alone, I don't think. Uh, no. Well, if you did also wake up in a puddle, I'm really sorry to hear that. <laughs> and I hope that your day is going well also mm. so yeah. but they're not going on holiday tomorrow so screw them yeah <laughs> they're the real losers they can, they can just cope yeah. <laughs> just yeah. cope with it just deal with it alright mm. yeah. yeah have you tried not getting pissed on by a cat yeah have you considered that try that just, next time just I guess just be happy just, yeah. just smile yeah. one just, simple fix that. one simple fix <laughs> there we are this is in spite of uh, Cat We Talk, our video game podcast. Yeah, it is. We do it each and every week. And each and every week, we have an actual real sponsor, a wow. video game adjacent sponsor. I believe Peter has the ad read for this week. I do. Um, so last week, the podcast went out post-Ashton reveal, of course, because it would be weird to do an episode with Ashton before her reveal. So that goes without mm. saying. But we recorded it pre-Ashton reveal, So this is actually the first time we're speaking to you as a podcast to say thanks, everyone, for welcoming Ashton so nicely. Um, But I can also exclusively reveal today um, a new brand deal we have going to sort of promote our third jump 
Um, we're working with Ubisoft, and uh, they've developed a game where what you do is uh, your your character hops into an animus, and you get to go back in time through genetic memory to just sort of find out about Ashton's life as she was growing up and learn a bit more about her. You know, it's a good way to get to know the new host. So, um, yeah. you know, coming soon, Ash Ashton Creed. <laughs> I really tried to get through that without laughing. You can uh, do it. Ash Ashton's Creed Origins. Wow. Wow. I, yeah, that sounds I've been, great. Yeah, I've been working really hard with Ubisoft to uh, make sure it details all the important moments of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's really, really exciting. Now this... you too can experience the first cat piss incident. You can, and maybe God. even the second, if yeah, you're lucky. Yeah, possibly. Depends how, that might be DLC. Yeah. Yeah, season one. DLP. It's a season one event. Yeah. If you find the right, like, question mark on the map, you might mm-hmm. be able to experience yeah. the second cat we as well wow sounds good goodness yeah. i can't wait to play it yeah well you'll you'll have to wait i'm afraid because it's not real it's a oh, lie oh, what that's a, that's so, doubly unfair because it, you both said it was real mm. ashton backed you up well and, i'm and now I'm you're curious. just pulling the rug out from under me yeah i'm curious who i've been telling ever <laughs> telling my whole life oh, story no. to for the last week you've been doing like photometry and uh motion yeah. capture for someone someone's been dressing you up in a big onesie with tennis balls on it and you don't know why now yeah you mean to tell me that wasn't real yeah i don't know who that was wasn't but... part of this job that's no. for sure. i might need to make some phone calls after this podcast yeah to... it sounds Maybe like so. you do that's yeah a... i'm so sorry keep us posted Okay. Uh, so that's that's not real, unfortunately, but the very real sponsors of this podcast are the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, where for as little Ooh. as one dollar per month, you can submit questions for this podcast. And there are other tiers available where you can get all sorts of goodies as well. This is the final time, fingers crossed, mm. that I will be asking, where are we walking today in the video version of this podcast? We're not in the studio, but from next week, we will be. Some people were a bit sad about that, that we're no longer going to be able to ask where we're walking. And are get you, to see are you joking me? No, no. <laughs> the I amount the of comments. flack we've gotten for daring to work from home during the pandemic, and now people want stupid PNGs of us walking across a static... I can't Wait. Are you joking? I can't wait for worst games ever to return in office and for people to be saying, get, <laughs> get rid, rid of, of face cams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but where are we walking? Ashton, I feel like you should have the opportunity. Yeah, it'll be your only opportunity. Um, I think we should be walking uh, on a picture of my cat, who yeah. we call Lil Piss Baby, for, Piss ba- Piss for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Fantastic. Because she's a little nightmare, and I want I want to have to like rectify the fact that she's cute, and that's the only reason we keep her around. Because <laughs> pissy cat, pissy, pissy cat, piss where have you not... been? <laughs> exactly, the cute outweighs the piss, but not by much. Not by mm. much. Thin yeah. ice. Uh, okay, well, send me a photo of that cat, and we'll make it happen. <laughs> I will. We'll I'll send you out. a picture of her. Now, before we move on to question one, we need to learn a little bit about triplejump.gg. Hello, everyone. As well as our extremely real and totally not fictitious in any way sponsor, we're officially partnered with PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo to sell their codes through our own website, triplejump.gg. 
Here you can get everything from topping up your digital wallets to PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live Gold, Xbox Game Pass and Nintendo Switch Online subscriptions as well as Minecraft mine coins. <laughs> mine coins? They'll be your coins any minute. <laughs> nice one, Peter. Yeah, thanks very much. It's 100% legitimate, directly supports us and provides you with the delightful digital currencies you're going to buy anyway. Visit triplejump.gg to browse our full stock. Triplejump.gg. This is a real sponsor. Lovely. We'll have to get Ashton in on that at some point. Do a fresh one, I think. Uh, mine the- coins. My oh, like mine coins. Your coins. Absolutely. Prep, That's great. Prep see? your best gag. Or just use yeah. that one, whatever you like. <laughs> we'll just cut that out of the podcast and put Yeah, it. that's it. We'll just that next week that'll be it. Uh just with us sort of talking over each other. That'll be great. Yes. Uh yeah. it's time for question one. This is from Cameron Keywood, who says, Hi Ben, Ashton and Peter, henceforth known as BAP. Oh <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh I have been melting in this British heat and haven't started playing new games due to this. Does the weather affect the type of game you play? Thank you, Cameron. Mm. Thanks, Cameron. Um, I think for reasons that will become apparent, I should maybe go last on this question. So I don't know oh, okay. if one of you wants to jump in. I can go first if, if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so mine doesn't really affect like the type of game I play in terms of like the content of the game, but it does affect where slash in what form I will play a game. Um, so if I'm like sat in my office next to my PC that's pumping out heat it can get quite sweaty. Mm. So I'd rather not be sat at my computer playing a game on Steam or whatever. I'd rather go downstairs and sit in the cooler living room in front of a fan and play on the PlayStation or something. Just mm. because I don't feel like when I get off my chair, I want to kind of leave a leave a not piss puddle, a sweat puddle. <laughs> yes. um, so it doesn't necessarily affect like the type of game instead of the content, but definitely where I will play said game will be affected by the mm-hmm. heat. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of a simple answer for that one, but yeah. So you move around the house. It, it won't necessarily change where, you, you know, if you're playing The Sims. It's just where you play The Sims. It won't well, it stop might, you it from might be... playing Project Makeover. It just well, means that you will retreat to colder parts no, of the well, house. No, the thing is, you can play best... Project Makeover anywhere you like because it's on your yeah, phone, exactly. not The Sims. So... No, not The Sims. So if it's like something like The Sims, I probably would just rather not... I just won't play it because mm. it's one that you, you've kind of got to sit at your computer to use the mouse and keyboard to play. So I'd rather just sit downstairs and play whatever games on the PlayStation that maybe I haven't finished or I've been neglecting because I've been obsessed with Project Makeover and The Sims. Um, and just play that instead because then I don't have to sit at my computer and, and play it. So, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. What about you, Ben Potter? Uh, I shall tell you, Ashton Matthews. Um, mm-hmm. So, it's it has been extremely unbearably hot. Yeah. And everyone in Udaburica has sort of been saying, "Well, it's that hot here all the time," but we just don't we don't have the infrastructure to deal with this weather. Like we don't have air conditioning units. It's it's bad. It's yeah. really bad. Yeah. And. I have I have played a fair amount over the past sort of well heat wave and since the last show and it's largely just been continuing games that I've already been playing. I did start a new game, but I immediately found that because I was so grumpy and hot, it was just the worst 
basically the game had to work 10 times harder to impress me than it normally yeah. would because I was so uh-huh. impatient and unhappy about having to learn new controls and mechanics and stuff for this game. Uh, and I will talk about it in what we're playing in, in a minute. And I do feel that the heat has perhaps slightly negatively impacted my appreciation and opinion of it. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say the heat stops me from playing certain types of games, but I do think that it makes playing games a lot harder, depending on yeah. what you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I think that for my answer, we should move straight on to a brand new section uh, where we talk about what we have or perhaps haven't been playing this week. Um, it's called What We Play In. Whoa. Whoa. It's What We Play In time, time for What We have been playing with a G. Peter, what have you been playing? Nothing. There it I, is. I've not played a video game all week. Um, Lucky. A, a t- well, yeah. <laughs> a tiny bit of that has been... I've had a couple of evenings where I've actually had stuff to do anyway. So the potential pool of video gaming days was decreased to maybe four or five rather than six or seven. Uh, but, yeah, the the main thing was I've just been so kind of not necessarily like really warm but just really tired and like you say just a bit mm-hmm. grumpy towards the end of the day i said to you yesterday ben i think on a couple of occasions because of com- different conversations we were having that this my the house that i'm in doesn't feel like it gets too hot like per se i don't feel like i'm roasting and i need a fan on but it's just having that kind of constant baseline oh it's pretty warm isn't it all day mm-hmm. um the last thing I've wanted to do at the end of the day is then sit downstairs in our living room, which is probably the warmest room in the house, and play play console games. And likewise, I don't want to sit in my office and have a computer on, which I have to sit next to while it's, uh, you know, while it, it pumping out all its heat and stuff. So uh, I didn't play any actual video games. What I can just sort of really crowbar in here to the video game podcast that we are doing is a a non-video game that I have played uh, that you'll be familiar with, Ben. We uh, we got a copy of um, uh, Letters from Whitechapel, the board game. Oh, okay. Uh, so we played a little bit of board games this week because we are able to sit in our kitchen at the table, which is a much cooler room. And sorry, and, this uh, is let- Lettuce from Whitechapel. Lettuce from Whitechapel. Delicious. <laughs> Going to write you some lettuce. Uh, yes. it, it's, um, it's a Jack the Ripper kind of hunting game. Uh, one one person plays Jack, and anyone uh, you can either have uh, one opponent or a whole group of opponents working together who are the police. And uh, you can you like there's letters that can be found, but we didn't play with those because they're optional. And uh, yeah, they they just have to find find Jack the Ripper. But so that's to what extent Cameron Keywood the heat has affected my video game playing <laughs> this week. I've not played anything. And instead, I reverted to actual tabletop board games instead. Switched to miniatures. Yeah, not not appropriate for this podcast as such, but there's probably a bit of a crossover audience at least. So, um, yeah, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so there you go. Lettuce from Whitechapel. A devastating blow to my my gaming. Call yourself a real gamer? What the heck? Yeah. What? Ashton and I are going to have to pick up the slack now. Worse than easy mode. Yeah, you are. Yeah, worse than easy mode, actually. 
Wait until mm. wait until they hear that I played some of Mass Effect on narrative difficulty because <laughs> I couldn't be asked. Yeah, yeah, I do. I play things on narrative sometimes, or or certainly easy mode because I just you know I just want to get through things and move the on to the next. Hounds will one. be at my door. They will. Um, so Ashton, what have you been playing this week? I've only really played one game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it's going to bulk up this segment any more than uh, than yours did Peter but yeah, yeah. I, th- I started a new game because I'd finished the other games I was playing on the PlayStation and I didn't I couldn't bother to go to Far Cry because I didn't want to sit upstairs at my PC and I didn't want to it's too hot so I didn't want to play it and um I played on the new PlayStation Plus game A Plague's Tale Innocence oh yeah um, I really want to play that one I was going to talk about as well yeah so I and I I think I might I've also been affected a little bit by the heat and possibly maybe need to go back to it another time. I finished it. I finished the game nice. um, because I kind of was like, oh, I'm just going to sit. And I kind of didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself. But it was the one thing that was the, at the beginning of the PlayStation menu and it didn't need me to go put a disc in and I didn't want to move. So I just played it mm-hmm. um, and I enjoyed it to a certain point. I liked it up until about chapter 15 out of 17. And then I hated every single second of me playing it. I almost <laughs> didn't finish it. And I was like shouting and swearing at the screen. I was on easy mode. Um, and it if just I say protect it. the caravan, how would you react to oh, that? Oh my God. I yeah. literally lost my mind on that bit. Okay. And then also the final battle, I almost just stopped i was like i don't need to finish the story i don't need to finish it i'm annoyed i don't want to play it um i really enjoyed it and i thought the story was really interesting um the mechanic is a badass amicia is a badass um i thought like the mechanics i don't know if it's because i was hot and mardy or if it's because i just wasn't really good at it but i just got so mad about like the mechanics at the end of the game because you'd learn all of these like things throughout the whole game and then it was basically just like well just use rocks now basically and i was like okay (laughs) we want all this other stuff on this wheel that i've been crafting and maybe i just played it wrong and i was just getting annoyed for no reason but um i just found that combat had kind of not felt secondary but stealth had been much more important for the rest of the game Mm -hmm. and then suddenly it was like now you're in a kind of a people running at you combat situation and you have to get past it by protecting this caravan um so yeah i enjoyed it right up until like chapter 15 and then i didn't enjoy it as much anymore um but i finished it so we did we played that game sure did play that game (laughs) sure did play that game so yeah, that's what I played this week. And of course, Project Makeover, but that's going to be every gonna week. Say, so yeah. that's a given, really. So mm. yeah, yeah. Got to check in for those daily rewards. I have, we have, have got to. Yeah. We'll check in on Project Makeover next week. Uh, so <laughs> I have also played a Plague Tale Innocence. Uh, this is one that Peter and I have been talking about for a while that we both wanted to play and just have never yeah. had the opportunity. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so here we go. I hopped in. It was really warm outside. I was begging for this game to end when I was sort of about two-thirds of the way through. Yeah. I think it... I'm going to get the positives out of the way and then circle back to some positives. We'll do a nice compliment sandwich. Plop Mm -hmm. sandwich, yeah. Plop sandwich. Love the setting. Yeah. Uh, Big fan of Amicia. 
uh, it's dark, it's it's gruesome, and there was sort of an interesting underlying mystery for most of the game yeah. that I was really into. And I liked sort of the stealth mechanics. Uh, it's at its best when it's sort of the light puzzly elements of there are guards patrolling and also loads of rats that will kill me and the guards if the lights aren't there. You yeah. need to put out lights, light things, and so on and so forth. Really, really interested in that. A lot of groundwork laid here for mm-hmm. the sequel. And I'm looking for, I'm like, I'm genuinely optimistic that the sequel will be really good. And yeah. again, the heat was maybe wasn't the best time to play this game when it was so warm. But yeah, I think it massively outstays its welcome. I think it could have been 10 chapters long and that would have been fine. Um, I, I thought the stealth was was great and the combat i slinging a stone at someone's head was by far the weakest part of the game and the further yeah. into the game you go the more it relies on combat which just doesn't work in my opinion and just ends up getting frustrating more than anything else and it just like by the end when the when the mist the underlying mystery isn't such a mystery anymore, it just jumps the shark in like a spectacularly stupid way that isn't entertaining. It certainly wasn't entertaining for me. No, I was just sat there like, oh, for God's sake, what is what? Come on, just wrap it up. Also, the little boy is extremely irritating. I found um, him really sweet. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Couldn't well, stand occasionally him. he was really sweet, and occasionally I was like, just be quiet now. I've had enough of you talking about mummy. I need to find mummy. I was like, shush, 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 shush now. Shush, you got to be we quiet, get it. please. We get the memo. But on the whole, I came away from it feeling quite positive. I just was sort of disappointed, weirdly, that it went on so long because yeah, I thought it like I I thought maybe it'd be you know would have been quite short, but actually mm. it ended up going on perhaps longer than it should have done. Yeah. Still enjoyed it think the sequel will will get a lot of things right that this one didn't get right but after mm. they as i said well and truly jumped the shark and went to like super weird places that i wasn't really anticipating i don't know how they can really ground a sequel uh yeah. but we'll, we will see i found like the first half really interesting like the first yeah. sort of five chapters were really well paced they were so pretty as well like the game mm-hmm. was very pretty and the it mecha- and it's also really impressive the fact that I mean, it obviously was a, a PlayStation 5, but the rats didn't slow down the no. game at all, really, even the though there was, like, rat hundreds mm. and hundreds of rats just appearing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, a PS4-era game, you know, generation yeah. game, mm-hmm. and it performs very well on that, so I'm told. It was... When we went to see it in quite an early stage, Ben, in the Vidiot's year, um, yes. they were saying <laughs> even then that, you know, they were really impressed with this liquid rat physics that they'd come up with and they were really showing it off and saying you know this is yeah we're, we're really proud of what we've done here with this all these different entities moving around in a kind of an interesting way very fluid yeah because yeah. i found like the first five chapters were really well paced and i really enjoyed mm-hmm. them the middle like seven i was kind of like okay well this is we can we can skip this this isn't necessarily i don't need this um and then the final three it felt like it went so quick and it rushed through the final three and like didn't really give anything time to breathe. Um, mm. But also I was kind of glad I didn't because I hated the final three chapters. So I was kind of <laughs> like, okay, this is fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I will play the second one, I think, probably. Yeah. 
Um, because I didn't, I did like it, and I thought the story was good, and like I say, Amicia was pretty dope, and it looked really pretty. So I'm quite excited for the next one. Mm. Um, just like hopefully it's better than this one was. I hope so, and I'm sure it will be because there's so much promise here, and they, you mm-hmm. know, they are a smaller studio, and what they did make was way more impressive than I was expecting. I wasn't really thinking there'd be too much in the way of the story department, and as you said, like the first five chapters, it really, you know laid the groundwork for some really interesting stuff to come and then it kind of went a bit wacky uh, yeah. which I wasn't a huge fan of but yeah on the whole really good game very impressed looking forward to the next one mm. uh, aside from Playtale I got the Platinum in Mass Effect 3 finished that off and then I was so so hooked on the Mass Effect train I was like you know what third time's the charm pop Mass Effect Andromeda into the disc oh. tray let's reinstall it download my save from <laughs> Uh, the end of last year where I gave it another go for the second time and we'll pick up where I left off I played it for about 45 minutes and then I deleted it I just I just don't like it I can't do it and it makes me really sad because I want Mass Effect now and I can't have it Uh, so there we are that's what I've been playing Mm. cool lovely uh, well, in that case, it's time for question two. Yes, this is from Jono Charles Davey. And Jono says, What's up, fellas, and Ashton, who may or may not be there? I am here. She is there. Hello. As games have progressed over the years and started to meld into what looks like a single engine and the exact same control schemes, <laughs> do you find it hard to get back into older titles? Or do you see it as an added challenge and something new to learn? Personally, I miss the years when learning an entirely new control scheme and unique mechanics was part of the experience. I suppose that's something I still love about Nintendo exclusives. It's also something I immediately notice when playing remastered or emulated titles. Yeah, thank you, Jono. Um, You do definitely notice it playing old games, and of course, we play a a fair few old games either on stream or, of course, for worst games ever uh, from time to time. And uh, the, the thing that... The, the one that springs to mind um, kind of the most is first-person shooter games um, in the kind of, you know, maybe from the PS2 or even early Xbox era uh, where you typically, the one that really gets me is that it tends to be L1 and R1 to shoot or throw grenades or, you know, things like that. Things you would typically associate with the triggers. Um, you'd think it would just be L2 and R2. Because they're effectively, you know, that's what the trigger uh, was, what came, what it came from, you know. Um, but uh, it, it's it's kind of strange to load up, save time splitters, and I'm pretty sure that's a game where it's R1 to shoot, and mm-hmm. you know, it's, you you have the muscle memory now of the past, I don't know, ten years of, uh, of trigger based shooting. But I find that it's not necessarily annoying. Uh, or it, it doesn't bother me when I boot up a game and the controls are all strange and difficult to comprehend. It's the same as well with platforming games. Like the jump button could be any number of face buttons in an old game. Um, although I suppose nowadays the jump jump button still isn't completely nailed down. I think in most shooter games it would be X on a PlayStation or A on an Xbox. But with, uh, with platforming games... Um, or the like. So, you know, in Skyrim and Fallout, it's always been triangle or Y, hasn't it? But that's not necessarily what I would associate with jump. But uh, in any case, to get back to what I was saying, uh, I don't find it frustrating or I don't think it's a a bad thing as such. I think it's almost 
it's a little bit nostalgic either actually playing with an older control scheme it sort of takes you back a little bit like oh yeah man this is this is weird back in the days where the genre was still being defined um or even the actual act of learning one you know as jono says in the question like learning a new control scheme even that has an, a sense of uh it's a bit of a throwback you don't have to do that anymore and to to pick up an old game and be like oh i've got to like work out what all these buttons do now when you don't have to do that so much nowadays that even that in itself can be a bit of a a throwback to earlier years so yeah it doesn't it doesn't bother me um but i do think it's a good thing as well that nowadays we have a relatively unified control scheme across certainly within each genre not necessarily across the whole console library but uh yeah that's that's a good thing on the whole Mm -hmm. uh ashton oh okay um so i don't really have the nostalgia of playing kind of old you know playstation one playstation two games true um so i never really because i never really played those because i never had one when i was younger um and so i don't necessarily gravitate towards older titles to play at this point um because i know that i will find them probably quite frustrating and probably quite jarring as well visually as as one thing that i think would bother me in terms of i've mm. gone back to a couple of things like I was trying to play the first Psychonauts the other day um, because I quite want to play. Quite want to play. I would quite like to play the second one. Um, So it's kind of going back to the first one, and I didn't really have a chance to play it for too long anyway. But I did kind of find it quite jarring to play just from um, control side of things, and also I think visually found it quite jarring as well. I mean, I already have enough issues going from using various controllers on different platforms anyway like i find going from the switch to playing a game maybe with an xbox controller or even sometimes with a playstation controller i find it so annoying the amount of times i've accidentally exited out of a game on the switch because the b button is in a different place is insane um i already find that quite annoying but it's kind of one of those things that once I've played it for five minutes, I understand what I've done wrong. And mm. now I know how to like I can rewire my brain for a second. But yeah, I didn't really have the nostalgia of going back to old games. So I personally don't often find myself going back to old games. Um, so yeah, mm. I don't really have much more than that to say, really. <laughs> That's fair yeah. enough. Mm. Yeah. Um, I do find that the control schemes of older games actively hold them back now, especially for a lot of people who have never played those games before and are perhaps looking to go and experience them. Myself, very recently with Resident Evil 4 and Silent Hill, although with Silent Hill, I literally couldn't use the Vita's virtual R2 and L2 buttons because they just didn't work. Um, But especially Resi 4, like that's a game that I would love to experience, but just the controls just put me right off like I can't do it and that's you know that's no judgment on the game that's just how it was at the time and obviously if you if you have played it before it's very easy to slip back into it and it's no problem at all but especially for a newcomer from the year 2021 there's a huge difference between as Peter said the standardized controls of various genres and it it has been a really long road to get to where we are now 
you play a lot of games from the 90s, you will see wildly differing control schemes. And it's something that I discovered firsthand when making the launch game videos is that a lot of these games were just sort of feeling out what makes sense with their control schemes. And so they're all just completely different, which is sort of has has a nostalgic charm to it now, but really is just bonkers, isn't it? Like if mm. if games did that today, like if you played a first person shooter today where it was X to shoot. Yeah. I would or A to shoot, I would be furious. I would ha- I would have a breakdown. Like driving I driving controls as well are one that yeah. I didn't think to say. That that that's all over the place, driving control. Again, now it mm-hmm. tends to be mapped to the triggers. And mm-hmm. maybe there's an additional accelerator and brake on the face buttons. But you know, but back in the day, sometimes you would just control a car with your thumbstick or yep. it'd be square to accelerate and oh yeah, it's all over the place. I think Borderlands and Halo is still you hold forwards on the left stick to drive yeah. and the right stick you use the camera to steer, which yeah. certainly in Borderlands is not great really at all and i don't understand why they're still using that control scheme for driving um but yeah i I think controls are in a good place honestly right now i don't think that anything is really lost by having standardized controls that make games more accessible to everyone and that you can pick up most games and kind of know what's going on and there will of course always be exceptions like even a playtale innocence you know that took me a little while to get used to the difference between aiming with the like sling thing and just throwing rocks uh those are different shoulder buttons and that took a minute to mm-hmm. get get adjusted to but mm-hmm. it's just largely agreed that if you're aiming and shooting anything you use the shoulder buttons just like if you you know you're you're walking and steering you use the sticks like it just that's just what they're for now and that's fine i think i don't think there's an issue you know there's really a problem with that even if there is some, as I said, like a nostalgic charm to going back to an old game where it is X to shoot, for example, yeah. which is disgusting. It makes mm-hmm. me sick. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, it's a good thing as well in terms of if you if you start a new game and then maybe you, you, know, you might play a little bit of it and then you have to like go on holiday. You have, you have to go oh, on holiday man. or something or... You know, maybe a new game, particularly in our line of work, a new game comes out that we then have to play that for a bit to cover it or something like that. Then when you come back to game number one a couple of weeks later, you probably won't have forgotten the controls because they're relatively standardized. And they might even be of it might even have been almost the same controls as game number two that you played in the interim, you know, uh, whereas I can imagine that there was a, a certain period of time where you better you better flip and stick with that game that you're playing right now or you you will not remember how to play it in a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. um yeah so yeah that's another good thing absolutely well it's time to move on to something a little bit strange it is um just one one moment i'm i'm propless Ashton, Uh, do you have some paper to hand uh yeah i have my national insurance number piece of paper that will do excellent read it out Hang on. <laughs> My number <laughs> is. I used to have loads of papers here when Brian was working from this desk, but right. he's put uh, them away now. And oh, I Brian! Not. Okay, I've got I've got something here. You got something? Okay, it's time for weird news. Weird news. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's weird news time. Time for some weird video game news. Peter, what have you brought along? Uh, I have got a news story here that was shared with us and sent to us in various ways uh, via Twitter DM and so on and so forth. So I I can't really name everyone who who sent this one over. Uh, But what I will say is you can submit... uh, Weird news stories via Twitter to us now. Um, a tweet goes out on Tuesdays saying, "What weird news have you seen this week?" And if you uh, if you pop one in there, it makes it handy for us to find a, a weird news story nice and quick, and we'll give you a little shout out if you were perhaps the one of only a few people to submit it. So mm. there you go. Mm. Uh, but as I say, this was sent by lots of people in lots of ways. Um, this is according to cogconnected.com. Interesting. Uh, and this is weird news news, in a way. This is Kotaku trending on Twitter for bashing XCOM legends. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, baby. Now, you must have seen this in some way. Um, XCOM game that looks nothing like XCOM is... Is the subtitle of the article. That's not even a full sentence. XCOM game that looks nothing like XCOM. Uh, it continues. This is written by, I should say. Oh, this is a weird website. Where's the author? Are they down the bottom? Well, I don't know, but if I see a name, I'll let you know. It, it's not obvious. Um, so they say Late Monday night, Kotaku released an unorthodox review of the new XCOM mobile game known as XCOM Legends. The original review's headline outright called the game. And then there's a swear word beginning with S that means poops. Okay. And only a couple of hours later, after the Twitter backlash, Kotaku decided to change the headline. There's now an embedded tweet from Kotaku uh, that says, 2K very quietly launches new XCOM game that looks like shoot. Whoa. Um, 
The review backed its original headline on the basis that the mobile game resembles nothing of the original XCOM brand and lacks any of its combat style and character design. This isn't a turn-based tactical shooter. There aren't maps to explore. There's no flanking, no base management, and everyone looks like they're new Overwatch characters. The review described the game. Kotaku ended up trending on Twitter for what has been described as an unprofessional review that doesn't live up to Kotaku's reputation or common journalistic standards. Um, And then there's a a few more embedded tweets of just angry people talking on Twitter about how this is not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it continues. The headline was so bad, it grabbed the attention of industry-leading journalists such as Nick Calandra, editor-in-chief of Escapist magazine, commenting on how the review resembles the industry's notorious toxicity problem as a whole. Uh, Nick said on Twitter, Not going to share the article, but Kotaku going full mask off in contributing to the toxic discourse that surrounds gaming, while also constantly complaining about exactly that, is the same kind of grift they complain about uh, they, they complain about the YouTubers doing. Um, the article <laughs> continues. Another hot take from actor-director uh, Stephen Ford highlights the need for clickbaits, it says in quotes, and the endless chase of it gives bad reputation to journalism and overthrows the work of all of the honest people in the inis- industry. Stephen said, Kotaku's pon... Oh, it says pension, as in the thing you get paid when you're oh, 60, right. 67. Kotaku's <laughs> pension for hot take rage click articles gives games journalists, most of whom are awesome people who who their asses off, a bad name. He's missed out the word work there. Um, this bull shoot just leads to disproportionate scrutiny uh, of the profession as a whole. Wow. Uh Last couple of paragraphs here. Kotaku later on offered some sort of an apology, publicly stating that it realises that a soft launch of a game doesn't necessarily reflect reflect the end product and is common in mo- in the mobile gaming space, and ended up changing the headline of the review. The headline of the review is now set to XCOM game that looks nothing like XCOM. Oh, there you go. That's why they put that in the, the subheading of this article. So that's the new headline on Kotaku, XCOM game that looks nothing like XCOM. Uh, it's been said that any press is good press, but but the tarnishing brand of a long-standing establishment may be too high of a cost. What do you think was... This is really badly written. What do you it, think... It sounds terrible, yeah. this one. It's got typos and all sorts in it. I mean, the typos, in fairness, were the um, the guy's tweet embedded. That was Stephen, right, okay. Stephen Ford. But this is badly written. It says, what do you think, comma, was the original headline a deal breaker to you? Question uh, mark. Let us know in the comments section below. Then there's just a link that says source. And oh, here we go. Aaron Nashar or Nasha wrote that. Right. Well done, Aaron. Well done, Aaron. Good job. Um, he definitely wrote something. He wrote something. Those were words. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you guys. I don't want to. I don't want to be like I'm enabling toxicity here. But it didn't bother me that much that they, if that's their opinion, I don't think I care that they that their headline choice of headline was new games coming out and it looks crap. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not professional. It's not professional. I I understand that. It's not. It is not professional. But equally, I think they're just they're trying to go for a conversational your friend down the pub or not maybe not the pub but your friend down the arcade luke plunkett incidentally it was written by luke plunkett this is like 
just sort of textbook Luke Plunkett headline. If yeah. you see anything that's remotely contentious like that on Kotaku, it's usually Luke Plunkett, which I have a lot of time for Luke Plunkett because I, mm. I do think he's a very entertaining writer. Yeah. But like in this case, like you, it doesn't affect me personally. Like I'm not I'm not gonna lose any sleep over this. But at the same time, they have to have known that this was gonna ruffle a lot of feathers. And it's like, can you can you not just help yourself yeah, by, by avoiding doing this? It's not nice for the developer and publisher either, no, is it? Like it's no, fair even enough if, if the you game's want to say rubbish. Exactly. You can say I dislike this game for these reasons. They really made some mistakes here. But to just as a headline as well, which some people, you know, they're not gonna click the article. They'll just see new XCOM game is shoots yeah. and that's it you know in that sense it is unprofessional and it's harsh but you know i can see it from the other side and i kind of think they're they're tr- they i think the intention was to be yeah again like 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 a mate is talking to you they mm-hmm. they don't want to be too dry and professional in that sense so you don't know like that kataku yeah it's also yeah. very clickbaity as well it is that's yeah. the whole thing isn't it is that can they get the clicks and if you see that People are going to be like, what? I'm yeah. going to check this. And then inevitably be like, I don't agree with this or I do. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's to get those clicks in, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So Kotaku very recently got, you know, knowing a dive into some sort of industry analysis of Kotaku. Oh, yeah. speaking of that voice, we'll circle back to that in a second. Oh, so. we will. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I think they've very recently got a new editor-in-chief, if I'm thinking of the right outlet. I believe mm. that they did. So it's kind of disappointing because I read her... Again, I may be connecting the dots completely wrong here, but I read her like mission statement when she took over and I said that it, it sounded... I was on board with what she was going to try and do with the website and then, you know, this. Which, again, it's not the end of the world. I don't really care. But at the same time, it's perhaps not the best start to uh, yeah to a new editor's tenure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, Ashton, it's time for your weird news. Well, uh, speaking of Kotaku, oh. uh, they this is from them, um, but it's by Ethan. I want to say Gatch or Gash. Yeah, Gash. So, Don't Gach. say the second. Gach. One. Gach. We've, Gach. We've never quite known. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, so this article is uh, Marvel's Avengers tries winning back players with horny Captain America. Oh, good. If Crystal Dynamics makes him take his shirt off, will they come back? Question mark is the. Uh, <laughs> I will. Happening. I definitely will. There's I'm already lovely... there, waiting for it. Yeah, there's a lovely picture of him with his shirt off. Um, Captain America, I mean, not just yeah. not 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 Ethan. Uh, not Ethan. <laughs> um, Marvel's Avengers never seems to catch a break, but maybe a half-naked Captain America can change their mind. Crystal Dynamics announced today that the comic book Loot Brawler's Marketplace now has new skin featuring Steve Rogers in the flash because if you can't beat the competition, competition, try getting horny. So it's actually... Oh, it's oh, hang on. I got confused. You said Steve Rogers and I was like, you mean Chris Evans? No. No. no it's just in-game no. Steve Rogers, In-game right? Steve Rogers, yeah. Not actual yeah. actor Chris Evans. No, okay. no not actor, actor. Um... Tweet says, bask in the summer heat with the American Dream outfit for Captain America, alongside a clip of the stiff-nipped Avenger sporting (laughs) jet-black aviators and working on his tan. The skin is roughly $9 and drops alongside a white outfit of Black Widow, seemingly tied to the new Marvel movie being released tomorrow. This came out a little while ago. Um, Along with a handful of volcano-themed outfit, bring on the Marvel Avengers renaissance, it says. Um... 
The internet love horny, and whether it was explicitly the strategy or not, it's not unheard of for live service games to try and spice things up by reflecting sex through weird, distorted meme prisms. That was a nice sentence. That was um, yeah, uh, there was that. There was that Christmas where Overwatch fans wanted Widowmaker to step on them thanks to the new emote, and remember Fortnite's peck flexing beefcake kitty cat meow schools. Okay, um, what the f was that all about? And while banana bananas being naked may have played up, played for laughs in federal court earlier this oh, year, yeah. in the Epic v. Apple one. antitrust lawsuit, you cannot convince me there isn't something extremely sexual going on with Peely. Um, and then the there's a bit about Captain America, but we don't really need that bit. And it just says, or maybe the new sexy American dream Captain America is just part of the character's ongoing subversion to the actual American dream. Real heroes don't fight to protect the US's deep-seated hierarchies. They take their clothes off for hefty microtransactions to pad quarterly earnings. Yeah, that's it. The real superhero. Indeed. Yeah. There's also, I've got like a point five of this as well, of like a second article that I found on Kotaku when I was kind of reading this one. Okay. Um, that's by Zach Zweizen. Oh, Zach Zweizen. Zach Zweizen. Um, and it just says, this article was written by a cat. Milo, a young cat owned by, Kotaku edi- by a Kotaku editor, has written a blog for you all to read. And it's basically just cat speak, a.k.a. just they've clearly lied on the uh, the keyboard. And oh, that's, the, okay. that's the whole just, article. Just a mash of keyboards. It's just a lovely yeah. article from Kotaku. Uh, yeah. Wasn't it Kotaku who also, yes. last week, a couple of weeks before, who also did, um, like... Uh, video game news article and then it was like the, the yeah. prose was like funny one liner to open things up and make you feel relaxed yeah. uh, you know yeah. like what are they they're, doing they're, there's the a moment? lot there's a bit of an identity crisis and it is it was Kotaku I think it's Patricia Hernandez I just had a Google is the new editor in chief so hey they're trying new stuff and I uh, hope it works out they are consistently the most entertaining source of weird news mm-hmm. yeah uh, as proven by my news, which is also from Kotaku. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the title of this one, written by Ari Notis, or Notis, I believe, uh, is Infamous Lost Nintendo Mean Girls Game Now Fully Revealed. Oh, oh. baby. You love Mean Girls, right? Who doesn't? Who I doesn't? mean, I, I will never not initially... When people say Mean Girls, I, my mind always goes to... UK women's prison drama of the early 2000s oh, bad sake. girls for god's sake peter peter Which... you are honestly your brain works in the strangest way Doesn't of it? anyone i've ever met <laughs> i only ever saw one episode of bad girls you, as well, well how far so i down don't even into know your little bag did you have to reach for that one <laughs> well it just happens every people say mean girls and i admit, i think it's just because the first time i ever heard someone talking about mean girls like years ago because i've never seen it um, but someone was talking about it, and I just assumed, I think at the time, they were talking about bad girls, which I was vaguely aware of. Mm-hmm. And then that, I went that entire conversation without cottoning on that it, that that's not what they were talking about, because maybe there wasn't much context. And then I I left that conversation, and then that has sort of just cemented in my brain now. <laughs> so now, even though I know what Mean Girls is, whenever I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that prison thing. Oh, no, no, no it's, it's that other that. thing that it's I've not seen. It's the one with... Lindsay Lohan in. Lindsay yeah. Lohan. With the so, Mean Girls in it. Here we, let's yeah. learn about it. Let's learn mm. about this Mean Girls game. The hit Lindsay Lohan movie's long-lost DS game has finally come to light. 
There's all sorts of twisting, twist and turns in this story. In the late 2000s, 505 Games and Crush Digital Media planned to release a Nintendo DS game based on Mean Girls, the coming-of-age comedy starring Lindsay Lohan and Rachel McAdams. However, there's no proof that the game ever came out, leaving many expert DS observers to regard the game as lost media. But now, the lost game has finally surfaced, almost entirely the result of efforts spearheaded by one Raven Simone, known as Bob Dunga on YouTube, who just posted a full playthrough. The DS adaptation of Mean Girls was first announced in 2008, alongside adaptations of Pretty in Pink and Clueless, but it seemingly never came out and became the domain of sites like the Lost Media Wiki. And it goes on to document that uh, whispers of Mean Girls have popped up on the web from time to time, a best buy listing for a used copy features a product review posted just six months ago, but suggests someone actually got their hands on it. Decent DS game for the $8. I mean, you get what you would expect for a movie tie-in game, kind of just a bunch of mini-games. The listing is currently marked as sold out. An Amazon listing also says that Mean Girls is sold out. Uh, It currently lists four reviews, five stars across the board, it says, three of which say something to the effect that it was never released. A new egg (laughs) page simply lists the game as out of stock. Uh, So essentially what happened is this person managed to just find it they managed to get hold of this copy i'm trying to because it's a long old article i'm trying to find out where they managed to was the person called raven simone yes as in from that so raven from the disney channel raven simone is that is what that, her full name is? is that raven's name on yeah that's so raven well yeah that's yeah. her like real real name spearheaded by raven, raven simone. simone yeah that's what it says yeah. what that is what it says uh, it, all, it does say that it's a bug-laden disaster, though, the game. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like it might be worst games ever material, to be yeah. honest. But... Yeah. The ROM initially suffered from an infinite loop error just 14 minutes in. Sometimes chapters would crash entirely or even force the player to rerun them from scratch. Aside from bugs, some mini-games, like the aforementioned Talent Show, required the precision of a real stylus, which is difficult to replicate with a mouse in an emulator. At the end of her playthrough, Raven was only able to attain 97% completion for the game. Oh, mm. so close. So we'll uh, never know what the secret post-credits ending we is. We will never know. Mm. So there we are. The Mean Girls DS game, previously thought lost forever, has been found, and it's not good, which is confirmation, shocking. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Closure. Really shocking, yeah. I love that, though, like lost media being fa- found and stuff. I'm not... You know, I don't have any horses in the Mean Girls race, but just generally speaking, <laughs> when people find things like that, or you know, like the um, the the cutting room floor website that talks about things that were lost during development, they uh, they did a big push recently, or a couple of months ago, for people to submit promo copies of things and like early builds, so people who've because they float around because people get sent like early builds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for like journalistic reasons uh we're talking in like the 90s and the noughties here so the there was this huge dump of ps1 ps2 xbox uh gamecube games um that were all in like slightly different levels of completeness with things that hadn't yet been removed from the game and they were all like dumped online as roms which is really cool Mm -hmm. um so yeah more lost media please world more please more of that let's move on to another question 
Uh, yes, let's. Uh, shall, shall I read it or should Ashton read it at this point? Ashton can read a question. Would you like to read <gasps> oh a question? Oh my god. Do I get to read a question? That's so exciting. If you want. Uh, so this is from Carrie oh, B- Butchter. We say Buchter, but we're not. We Buchter. haven't been corrected, okay. but we're not sure. Okay, Carrie Buchter. Thank you for the question. Um, they say Keela Suli. Sulai. Sulai. It's a, mass, that... it's a mass effect. That's it's a, a mass right, effect okay. greeting. Thank you. Boiks and Gulk. Um, not sure how to word this into a question, but I've been replaying Mass Effect 3 and loving the heck out of it. I never found the ending to be terrible since I think the game is more about the journey than the destination. Still, in places like YouTube, it is continuously, continually put on lists for... Dis- list for disliked games it makes me wonder how much the media affects game sales is cyberpunk unplayable or just buggy although no man's sky isn't what was promised is it still an enjoyable game with its updates over the years again sorry it's not much of a question but sent with love and respect for your opinions thank you carrie thanks carrie Hmm. um it's a a dangerous thing really i mean actually it kind of ties in with the um the kotaku issue you know saying this game is is rubbish uh, it's a dangerous thing because some people can make up their minds about things when it might not necessarily be true or it's more uh, more of a nuanced issue than that. Maybe it's just, you know, this isn't for me because it's not classic XCOM, but it's actually a good game, you know. Uh, and especially when people perhaps might be inclined to just read a headline and kind of go, oh, oh, is that game rubbish? Oh, well, okay, then I'll, I'll leave it mm-hmm. uh, without delving in and finding out the reasoning. Um I mean, I'm yet to try cyberpunk for sort of that reason. Like I, yeah, you know, I've never sat down and, and given cyberpunk a, a little test run at someone's house or, you know, borrowed a copy or anything like that. I All I know is that um, articles online have said that game is, is real pants and it's uh, it's full of glitches. Now, I think that of course, was very much the case. That was true. It's not the, the media didn't mislead anyone in that sense with the uh, the initial build. But uh, you know, all the same, it it just proves whether it's true or not. It proves the power of the media. If they just say to everyone, "Hey, this game's really broken and uh, it's very disappointing," you know, I'm I'm a case in point of someone going, "Okay, sure. Well, I've, I probably won't play it then." Whereas James Jenkins, on the other hand, I don't know how how sort of late. He played it into after its release, so whether there'd been it was a big day one, was it? Day, yeah, I was going to say I thought it was pretty early on. It wasn't like late enough that lots of things had been fixed, and he found that it it wasn't really so bad. He was a bit of a defender for that game, wasn't he? He was. Um, we did a we did a review on the channel that he put together yeah, about it, which is fair enough. There's you know people people do find games like that where they're like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up for this one, and you know. That combined with the fact that lots of other people didn't even try it because they thought it's going to be it's going to be rubbish. That just shows that you could have been a James Jenkins, you could have enjoyed it, but you didn't because the media said, "Don't play this; it's rubbish." Um, no Man's Sky is another one, which you know I think there has been quite a um, there's been a bit of a push by not just the media but by the the audience of that game as a whole to try and say, "Hey, no, it's fixed now; it's a lot better." And so, you know, that's that's fortunate for um, No Man's Sky as a game that it is now sort of out there that the game has improved. But uh, that was very much a victim, as Carrie says, um, of just just a, a lot of uh, negative press. Um, and you have to even ask yourself whether 
the issue around No Man's Sky, which was that there was a lot of overpromising, could have even been down to the need to impress the media. You know, was it just uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, Sh- Sean something? No, Sean was Murray. The, the, Sean Murray. Yeah. Uh, you know, was was Sean Murray just a bit of a pathological? Peter Molyneux about it and just just making things up that weren't true kind of for the fun of it or did he feel the need to kind of give the media yes answers when they asked things or you know to try and keep them excited so that the game would get positive press and then as a result they found later on that oh man we can't live up to all of this Um, I'm not saying that is that is the case but uh, yeah there are a lot of different kind of strings to this, different aspects of, uh, you know, I think the media can really harm a game in certain ways, uh, but not all, mm-hmm. not all. Yeah, I think that, obviously, I, I've had a copy of Cyberpunk since Christmas, and I haven't even taken out the wrapping. Right. Because I just, I kept being like, oh, well, I don't want to play it yet, because I don't know if it's going to be good, and I want to play it when I know that it's going to work. I'd rather play it and know I'm going to enjoy it rather than yeah. worry that it's going to be buggy and I'm it's going to be unplayable and, unplayable and all that stuff. But I think in the same way that the media can make games like not sell, I think it's also kind of not a bad thing sometimes because it holds these companies accountable for mm-hmm. just releasing games and selling games that are they don't work or they're not what they promised or they just you know, it, it's it's basically scamming the consumer because it's not the game that that they bought. Um, but also, I think that the issue is that a lot of companies or some companies would do that, but in a positive way, where it'll be like, "This game's really, really good. That like, this game works so well," and then it doesn't. It doesn't work once it's come out, but once you've bought it already, it's, it's already it's broken. Um, EA are bad for this with the sims i don't want to only talk about sims but it's just one thing that i noticed um in terms of expansion packs and mm-hmm. game packs that they release um they will send it out to influencers before it comes out to the public and have them play it um they won't necessarily pay all of them but they will send them this copy and be like here is this for you and some people that have reviewed other ones negatively then don't get sent the next one yeah right so the last pack that came out so they've released a pack that's literally come out today um that's like the new main expansion pack they've made but the last game pack was called dream home decorator and that pack was released and i saw loads of like really good reviews for it but then after it had come out people were like well it doesn't work you can't play half the levels because it's broken and EA and Maxis are really bad for releasing really, really buggy expansion packs that just don't work. But mm. because they've been, like people have seen other people play them or they've heard all this hype or they've seen influence be like, this is going to be such a good pack, I can't wait. They've bought them and then realized, oh, it doesn't work. It's, it's broken. Specifically for this Dream Home Decorator pack, there was levels where it's like, add a whole nother um, level onto this house and decorate it in the style that these sims want but you can't add the level on it doesn't work so you can't do it or you can't find out what these sims like because they'll only tell you that oh i like mixology but i don't like mischief and you're like okay well how am i meant to decorate your house 
yeah. with that knowledge. Um, obviously, that's a very specific reference. Um, but with that one, it was all this positive press and suddenly, you know, it doesn't work. And people have spent, I don't know, like 15, 16 pounds on it, which isn't a lot of money for a, a but it's still yeah, quite no, a substantial enough, amount it? when it comes yeah, to money's yeah. money. If you were sure. missold yeah, exactly. a product, then. And that's why it's so important for exactly. especially people in our field to clearly label when money has changed hands you know mm-hmm. if a video is an ad if it's paid for we always make a point of of making it very obvious that 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 has happened so that mm. you can take our opinions with like you know a massive grain of salt because it's 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 paid for that's what that is and there isn't yeah a, a lot of what a lot of people uh, a problem sorry a lot of people have with big sites especially IGN is that that is not clear at all and mm-hmm. you you have to hope and imagine and expect due to editorial standards etc that there is a huge separation of church and state there in that yes they will partner and be the exclusive first reveal of this cyberpunk trailer for example however when it comes time to review it that review is completely untainted by that business relationship that's been done elsewhere. Uh, but when you go into sort of influencer territory, that's not always so clear and that's not good yeah. and that does need to change. Um, and going back to the Mass Effect 3 ending contro- uh, controversy, I think it's it's an objectively bad ending in that it doesn't it, it doesn't take into consideration a lot of the decisions you've made ever across the series. Mm-hmm. But personally, like Carrie, I wasn't too bothered by it at the time. And when I got to it now, I wasn't bothered by it again because it's just, I can understand why people would be really disappointed by it. But it's just, as Carrie said, it was it was about the journey for me. I think the, the rest of Mass Effect 3 is so good that the ending doesn't really bother me, even though it kind of goes a bit weird. Uh, but the media does play this sort of dual role in that they hype up things to oblivion and then they report damningly when things don't live up to the expectations that they helped Mm. set yeah uh but i at the same time i'm sort of hesitant to blame media outlets for that when covering games in that manner is pretty much the only way to stay relevant it's sort of like an arms race of who can publish the most things about uh you know the the next flavor of the month game and if people are really excited for No Man's Sky, then why on earth wouldn't we capitalize on that and write a load of articles and make a load of videos about No Man's Sky? Of course you would. But mm. then you are contributing to the the mass disappointment that was felt when the game didn't live up to people's expectations. It's clearly a bigger issue than just, you know, the media can't just... A website, for example, can't just decide to not cover a game because then they'll just lose out on money and business and they won't you know be around <laughs> for much longer yeah. um they do have a duty though to report and warn consumers if things are broken or not right like no man's sky they lied about what their game would contain there's no two ways about that yeah that, um, that was a lie cyberpunk was broken on certain platforms not just buggy but broken unplayable on on certain platforms um and me3 i would say mass effect 3's ending it was just kind of disappointing i'd say that was a a different situation entirely because yeah it sucked for a lot of people but it wasn't like they were you know they still had like 40 hours of great game before that and but there was that lawsuit wasn't there about the more to do with the rpg elements right that was mass effect 3 wasn't wasn't it honestly um, i can't remember uh i think it was 
I think it was Mass Effect Three where um, they got they got taken to like uh, court about misrepresentation and stuff in terms of um, there was some sort of tagline that says like every decision you make or you know yeah. something oh, about there's, there's definitely you know. legal oh, yeah, yeah there's definitely that. legal grounds in those situations with the marketing because that happens all the time with big games I don't know if anything yeah. you know things rarely come of it because ultimately. You know, unless unless they really do screw you over, like it, sure. like with yeah. Cyberpunk, for example, who who knowingly sold people games that didn't work, um, mm-hmm. then there's yeah. But certainly, I think Mass Effect is probably a slightly different case. But yeah, it's it's a difficult it's a difficult question to sort of answer. Uh, I know Carrie had difficulty sort of pinpointing what it was that she was asking, but it's it's difficult to define. Media plays a very weird role in the games industry, as both its guardian and also i don't know like a assailant in a way yeah of like the consumer they do they do so much good and they do i'd say just as much bad but they're kind of necessary i don't know unless there's a complete overhaul things aren't going to change and then as you said ashton influencers added to that mix is just it's a completely different kettle of fish really Um, Well, exactly. When you say about how it's difficult to define, one thing I was going to say, I mean, I I spoke for too long and I thought I'll just pass over to someone else. But one other thing I was going to say is, unfortunately, the lines are getting more and more blurred between what is a media outlet or, you know, a journalistic website versus a kind of a collection of, you know, I'm I'm not trying to like put anyone down. I mean, I don't think we're particularly journalistic as such in some ways, but Mm. Uh, you know, just a, a group of people writing about games. Like, at what point do you become a media outlet, a, a, a press or a journalistic thing, other than sort of having some sort of, I'm sure there's some kind of license or a thing you officially need to call yourself that. But uh, you you become accountable at a certain level. But where is that line? You know, because you have things like, you know, this, this whole thing with Abandoned and Silent Hill. Yeah. Like... Yeah, that's being stirred up by social media, but also some of the maybe the smaller outlets are reporting on it as though it's like kind of happening and, and oh yeah, abandoned. Like there's lots of suggestions. It might be a Silent Hill, you know, reboot, remake, sequel or something. And that's the sort of issue that you were talking about earlier, Ben, about things getting overhyped by the press. Um, and that's not necessarily through the fault of a publisher or a developer. Uh, sometimes it is, like in the case of No Man's Sky, um, you know, whatever for whatever reason those lies were told. Um, Even this but... abandoned stuff, they seemingly just can't help themselves, can they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just keep for stoking sure. the stoking the fires. But yeah, mm. it's a complicated one. It's complex. It is. Yeah. For now, though, let's move on from I suppose one big discussion to another big discussion. Big discussion. It's big discussion time. Time for the big discussion. This big discussion comes from Callum Straw. Callum mm. says. Hey guys, after the recent announcement of Ubisoft's new Tom Clancy, this says in quotes, Tom Clancy yeah. game, X Defiant, <laughs> there appeared to be a decent amount of backlash against them for, yet again, using the Tom Clancy name for a game that bears no relevance to the brand associated with it, which got me thinking. Do you think some of the bigger AAA companies are scared to create new franchises or IPs in case they don't sell? So now they just slap a well-known name such as Tom Clancy on their new game and say, look, it's the new big game from that famous franchise, knowing it's more likely to sell. Great to see you guys return from your exile, not this week though, and a big welcome to Ashton. All the best, Callum. Thanks, Thanks, Callum. Callum. So what do you think, Peter, of this? Well, 
I've got a um, a devil's advocate point of view to just throw into the mix for discussion purposes. I'm not mm. saying I necessarily right. agree with this, okay. but it's a Edge funny Lord one. Austin. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a funny one, and it's particularly in the case of Tom Clancy and Ubisoft, in that Ubisoft are always being accused of not innovating and just churning out the same game every time. But as soon as they do something a bit different with the Tom Clancy license, they're being berated for it. It's the same with (laughs) Rainbow Six Extraction, which has like alien mold in it. And people are like, this isn't Tom Clancy. What is this? You know, Um, so, you know, that's that's potentially an angle that you could come at this from. Uh, On the other hand, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, because it's still if you look at X Defiant, it. It's still basically an Ubisoft shooter. It just happens to have this this new, you know, whole multiplayer scene to it. And likewise, mm-hmm. Rainbow Six Extraction is still a Rainbow Six game. It's just, yeah, you're up against some different enemies. So people who believe that Ubisoft are always churning out the same games probably still have at least one leg to stand on in that sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to go back to the main point of what Callum was asking... I don't know. This is this is tricky because putting aside the the Ubisoft issue about Ubi worlds and just churning out the same stuff, it doesn't matter that it's Tom Clancy as such. It is just about is it? Does, are we stifling creativity if we expect AAA companies to always do something very familiar with a license? Like if you look at something like Halo Wars. That was a very popular game, as far as I'm aware. Not mm. as popular as the the first person shooter games, because I think that's just a, a genre thing. You know, people prefer FPSs. There are, there's more of an FPS audience than there is an RTS audience. But you look at something like Halo Wars. That was a very good game, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, very good looking, fun to play, really beautiful cutscenes. Um, but it it wasn't Halo in that sense. Um, so. Should they have used the Halo license? Well, you know, of course, it was set in the Halo universe, um, and that's what made it interesting to to play. So, broadly speaking, I don't think there's any harm in using a name of an IP, uh, but taking it somewhere else. But, but, however, I think in this instance with Tom Clancy. That's really just using the Tom Clancy name. It's not like the Tom Clancy universe, you know, like Halo, as an example, is a whole universe of, you know, certain alien species and it's got a history and a lore to it. And if you want to come at that lore, but with a different genre, that's fine. Tom Clancy, just slapping his name on something that is, you know, there isn't a Tom Clancy universe as such. So it, it's it's kind of irrelevant. They're just it's just there to try and sell the game in a sense, and say so it's it's our new Tom Clancy game. So mm-hmm. I think in this particular example, yeah, why why not just release it as something new and exciting? Just, you know, call it Shoot Boys or whatever, and we could all play <laughs> Shoot Boys together. Or girls. Or um, girls. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so I think it it's kind of a case-by-case thing in a certain sense, I would say. Mm-hmm. I think that there's... I think that not every company is guilty of doing this but i think ubisoft is one that you can highlight as being possibly quite guilty of this with for example the new assassin's creed valhalla i think that doesn't necessarily feel like an assassin's creed yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i think that it is a really interesting exploration of the viking uk and a really cool story about this viking boy or girl 
who is exploring the world and other places and you just think okay well this is really interesting but it doesn't feel like assassin's creed the only part of it that i think feels like an assassin's creed game is the fact that you get a hidden blade but you don't Mm. have to start with it and that there's that whole side story of there's an assassin man in your living in your village in your camp <laughs> yeah that's how they force you, the hidden blade in there yeah, that's only exactly. there so they're it could like, be an assassin's creed game yeah they're like my brother's found these two assassins and they're just gonna come with because <laughs> they can um and i think that you know could they not have just released you know their historic sandbox that without assassin's creed mm. on it and yeah. would it still have sold well? Because I think Vikings are huge right now. Everyone's doing Vikings at the moment. So would it have sold just as well if it was just called Valhalla? Or if it was just, you know, I don't know, about the Viking world. It had nothing to do with Assassin's Creed. Obviously, we'll never know. But I think that maybe they were just like, well, we've done Egypt. We've done everything. And why don't we just put Assassin's Creed on this and started line a story about it and see if it fits yeah. um but i also think that it's not just ubisoft so i was thinking last night i was like what games is it that kind of do we find that they've always got the title but they have nothing alike final fantasy has 95 games in their franchise <laughs> good lord and they're all completely different the only three routes of final fantasy games are the chocobos mm-hmm. the moogles and a couple of monsters that appear in other ones they've and got a guy like, named sid and a guy sid. named sid there's always a sid yeah they've got like mobile games strategy games mmos they've even got like a snowboarding game like every single one of those final fantasy games is completely different mm-hmm. there's nothing about them apart from the title that really makes them the same um, so it's kind of like, would, why are they all called Final Fantasy then? Because it doesn't make any sense. But I suppose in that respect, it's a brand, isn't it? More so than than necessarily a type of game, Final Fantasy. Yeah. So it's it's kind of difficult to say, like, they're scared to create something new because they are creating something new. But it is very much like, would they... Would they bother to make it if it's not this game that they know for sure they can sell to people who already know the name? Yeah. Um, so it gives them a little bit of creative freedom, I think, of being like, well, let's, let's branch out because at least we know that if we sell it and it says Tom Clancy or Assassin's Creed or Final Fantasy, that that fan base is going to be interested in it in mm. some way, shape or form. So we can be a bit more creative with it, try something new but also make sure that it's going to at least sell a bunch of copies because of the name on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's, especially with the Tom Clancy part, it, that's always struck me as a bit weird because I don't think Tom Clancy is that strong of a brand as Ubisoft thinks it is because they mm. could easily strip Tom Clancy away from The Division and everyone would know what The Division is. They could mm. strip it away from Ghost Recon Wildlands and just call it, they, people would know what Ghost Recon is. Uh, the problem, I suppose, with X Defiant is that X Defiant is one of the worst video game names I've ever heard. And if it doesn't have Tom Clancy in front of it, then why on earth would anybody play X Defiant? You know? Yeah. Uh, so you, I can understand. It's That's entirely what it is, as you said, Ashton. It's, it's a branding thing. It's it's sort of almost like a seal of approval, like a stamp on it. People see that yeah. and, and know, like, okay, that's that may not be the division three 
but it it is a Tom Clancy game, and I know what that is. And mm -hmm. it's yeah, I mean they arguably they've already taken the risk by making the game if it's not you know if it doesn't fit specifically within Tom Clancy's wheelhouse. Um, so you know them slapping the Tom Clancy name on it isn't necessarily them being scared it's almost just them guaranteeing at, at least some revenue from it yeah uh, but i do i am sympathetic to people especially with uh ghost recon and not give sorry here we go again and i'm messing it up myself tom clancy's what was the one the mold one it was called oh, it's called extraction thank you thank you yeah so extraction I am sympathetic to people who see that. And, and we said the same thing over E3, Peter and I. We're like, wow, I bet Tom Clancy's really thrilled about the direction his realistic say, military books have taken. It. It's yeah. just sort of almost, if if you, you know, if such things are important to you, it's almost disrespectful to the lineage. Mm. But ultimately, you know, things like that don't really matter. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just, especially in the Tom Clancy case, it's 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 strong branding and that's why they want to do that. Uh, generally speaking, though, I would argue, as Ashton pointed out, several examples, there is a, an element of stagnation across the industry, and there has been for a while. And I think that's largely why indie games have exploded in popularity in recent years, especially on Switch, uh, mm -hmm. where they're so convenient to, to consume. Uh, and that's not to say that big budget AAA games are bad or don't take risks, because they're nearly all at least great and some take some real gambles with this, especially their narrative direction and the kind of representation they offer, which always do, doesn't always go down very well with, you know, bigots. Uh, but I'd be really interested to see, for example, an Ubisoft, basically Assassin's Creed game, but without the Assassin's Creed branding, you know, yeah. like, just like Vikings in England or something, yeah. you know, I would... Just get rid of all the baggage. Get rid of the series baggage and let let us experience that. Uh, although, having said that, ultimately it would just be it's Assassin's Creed, but it's not called Assassin's Creed anymore. It would just it would still yeah. feel the same. It's just you know, it's a branding thing. Mm. Um, but what I will I was, say is, sorry, go ahead, Ashton. No, no, no. I was just going to say, but I also think it's very much like a you know a money thing. They mm. can make easy cash if they just yeah. whack this title on it. It's not. Yeah. To be very cynical about it, they don't care if you think it should be called Tom Clancy or not, as long as you buy the game. Yeah, they or at don't least care. if someone buys the game, that yeah, does exactly. someone will because yeah. it's called Tom Clancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Sorry, uh, Ben, I interrupted you. No, no, not at all. This is the hopefully the last time we'll be doing this over Discord, so we'll never interrupt each other again. False. <laughs> <laughs> False. Uh, what Incorrect. I will say, sorry, is is. That you should support new franchises you believe in as and when companies actually produce them, especially big publishers. Uh, buy them, play them, review them online, tell your friends. you got to sort of show... It shouldn't be on us, but it kind of is. You should show publishers that these so-called risks are mm. worth it. But even then, that's not always easy because if a big publisher does take a gamble on a, on a brand new IP... They often feel if they it, it feels like if they're not going to slap an existing franchise's brand on it like Tom Clancy, in a way to mitigate potential losses and to almost ensure success. Nowadays, it seems they're leaning more and more into seasonal updates, microtransactions, and free-to-play models, which in and of itself is just it puts loads of people off anyway. 
so it it can be tough to support new new endeavors when they are so increasingly monetized in ways that are unpalatable. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not it's not easy really to, well, su- to support all new games. Well, the funny thing is that in some ways these labels and these IPs that are slapped on certain things to perhaps make them sell better can sometimes put people off in the sense that you might not you might you might have something against the Tom Clancy license. You might just think, "Oh, it's a bit too realistic for me. Oh, a new Tom Clancy game coming out. I'm not even going to try that because I know I won't like it." Um, you know, they they can be a bit hardcore at times or you know, Assassin's Creed. I think that series as we were saying, it's got a lot of baggage. I have less than zero i have negative interest in the animus storyline bit set in the real world and that is a perfect example of a game as ashton was saying that could just be released as here's here's a historical game it's set in viking times and you are a viking Mm. and you know that to me would be a better game than having to flash forwards briefly and walk around a shack or to have a slightly awkwardly crowbarred in hidden blade bit that was, you know, just brazenly and transparently put there so that it ties into the brand. Yeah. You know, so sometimes it's it can have the opposite effect. I'm sure, um, broadly speaking and globally, it still has a, an overall uh, positive effect and otherwise they wouldn't do it. And lots of people will buy Assassin's Creed games because they're Assassin's Creed games. But I'd probably be more likely to buy the next historical sandbox game from Ubisoft if it was just called, you know, the Wild West game <laughs> yeah. uh, rather than Assassin's Creed, like, Wild you West. know, round them up or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed Wild West. So, yeah, yeah, it can have, it can work both ways, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if when we eventually see Skull and Bones again, if it is just an Assassin's Creed game, and they slap, yeah. if they slap yeah. the branding on there, just because the whole point was this was them doing exactly what we're talking about, which is splitting off something that people enjoyed so much from the Assassin's Creed franchise. So you liked Assassin's Creed Black Flag, right? What if we just gave you a pirate adventure? Oh, yeah, be such a U turn, though, wouldn't it? That'd be sad. It would, but it's been go. so long; it's clearly has, not. Yeah, it's not having yeah. the best of time development-wise. I wonder if, yeah, again, it's a case of you know recouping losses. Just put mm. Assassin's Creed on; people will buy it. Apparently, yeah. it's just entered the alpha stage. Skull and Bones has has it just according literally wow. yesterday. Oh, uh, that's you <laughs> mentioning that, but yeah. Well. There we are. That's our big discussion. That's our podcast. Of course, let us know what you thought of all the things we discussed today. And Peter is going to tell you where you can find all three of us on the internet. We are Team Triple Jump. You must know that. You're listening right now. YouTube.com and Twitch.tv forward slash Team Triple Jump is where you can find both our videos and live streams. Uh, We stream on both of those channels. Uh, if you've got Amazon Prime, you get a free Twitch sub with that. You know, it's all bundled in. So consider spending that on us if you like. Mm. Uh, and when we are streaming on both YouTube and Twitch, we're modded by Lord Brotovich, Trowling Badger, and please welcome Mr. Black. Mr. Black. has been a long-time viewer uh, of ours and is now a new mod because we're going to be uh, stepping up our streaming in uh, the weeks to come, perhaps. So uh, we need we need all the modding we could get. Mm. Uh <laughs> 
We have social media, twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. Twitter mainly focused on sort of uh, video and live stream announcements, things like that. A little bit of, as I say, you can go and uh, talk about weird news and uh, podcast segments on there. Facebook uh, has video content sort of reposted on it. Little highlights from Triple Jump's history. So go and look at those. Uh, thank you to Fraser and Luke Alden for looking after Facebook and also Fraser for looking after Twitter as well. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump is where you can find our Patreon with lots of different tiers. Uh, have a look at those. The website is triplej.mup. That's triple J-U.mp. If you go to triplej.mup forward slash Discord, that'll send you straight to our Discord, which is modded by Jack, Joe, and Hollow Eyes. Thank you, mods. Triplej.mup forward slash podcast will send you to a magical place where you can get the audio version of the podcast if you happen to be watching on YouTube right now. Triplej.mup forward slash VODs will take you to our uh, YouTube VODs channel where all of our Twitch and YouTube VODs are uploaded. And finally, triplejumpshop.com is where you can go to buy merch. Uh, we have, I think, by the time this podcast goes out, actually finished everything that needs finishing for the next drop of merch. We'll have, ah. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but we'll have made all the preparations. So it's probably then just a matter of making sure we. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We've got all the stock ready, and then we can actually do a drop. So it will be soon. Soon. Um, you can follow at Triple Jump Shop on Twitter as well for updates. Yes, you, you can. You can also follow... Peter Austin and Ashton Matthews on Instagram and Twitter at that Peter Austin and at scrambled Ashton and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday streams every Monday, Thursday and Friday, Thursday being the joint stream blaze it on YouTube Monday and Friday being solo. No, not anymore. Not Monday and Friday. Need to update that. Oh, yeah. Monday and Tuesday. I'm back on Tuesdays now. And if you've been to our twitch you will have seen as peter mentioned that we are stepping up our twitch streaming efforts so soon ashton and james jenkins will also Mm. be streaming on twitch during the week we will announce that soon when we are ready to go uh worst games ever is fortnightly friday for patrons of a a certain tier sunday of a certain tier sunday for everyone else Uh, the podcast is every saturday and we do shows once every other week or thereabouts. Why not leave a review on iTunes or your platform of choice? It helps something to do with algorithms. Triplejump.gg. You should go there if you're going to buy some digital currency. It's also a Worst Games Ever week, isn't it? 
It is. It was a little follow-up to a game of old and the worst games universe. I hope mm-hmm. you enjoyed it. It was bad. It, it was really bad. Uh, <laughs> we are back in the office at the time of recording tomorrow. So hopefully from next week onwards, things will be shot in person again, all of them. Mm. Including worse games. So this yeah. will, I think the last episode, this will be the final episode where we're where we have no face cam. Uh, yeah. And also at the time of recording, it's EA Play Live 2021. Tonight we will be streaming live reactions, hoping for some dead space remake slash remaster stuff announced mm-hmm. there. But we shall yeah. see. And I believe that's about all. If you missed that, of course, we'll, uh, the, the VOD will be available on the VOD's channel and we'll be doing a little What Happened At mm-hmm. video as well, which should be available uh, now already yes. on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, well, that leaves just enough time, if you'll allow me, to uh, talk about this week's sponsor. Um, hey, do you want to learn about our brand new third jump? You can, thanks to Ubisoft, who will send you back in time to sort of the... Oh, when when were you born, Ashton? Sort of the nineteen mid- nineties, late nineteen nineties. Yeah, uh, way back to that hallowed decade. Ash Ashton's Creed Origins. It's going to be great. I need to contact someone about that, don't I? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that'll be fine. Uh, there we are. Thank you so much for listening slash watching, everybody. And until next time, look after yourselves. Bye. Love you, bye. bye.